Good morning, and welcome to another edition of A Wounded Head Now Sacred. It is the Friday edition where we chat about a little bit of what's coming up this Sunday, or at least we try to. Sometimes I get a little bit off track, but this is a podcast ministry of Colton Lutheran Church, and hope you're having a wonderful start to your end of your workday, rather, well, maybe while you're hearing this, or the end of your work week, or maybe it's the beginning of your work week. I, I'm not sure. Things and people have different work lives and all of that kind of good stuff, but today we're going to be talking about Jesus's healing of the Samaritan from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. The, lately, I've been trying to find a theme for most of the worship services that has something to do with what's going on in the text or in a song or whatever it might be. And I'll choose a title. And a title for this upcoming Sunday is Where the Streets Have No Name. And that's from a U2 song from way back when in my youth. But one of the verses goes like this. I'll show you a place high on the desert plain where the streets have no name. So in our gospel text for today, we hear that Jesus is in an area between Samaria and Galilee. It's kind of a borderland, really, is what we've come to expect or come to know as just this space between, you know, two countries basically and two areas where people don't generally congregate unless they're uh, on the outside or removed from society for whatever reason. And sometimes I think that small towns get this kind of label as being a border town or even like, you know, South Dakota, sometimes called a flyover state. We're in that in-between place. Well, Jesus is in that in-between place too. And in my affinity for small towns, which I, where I grew up in the small burg of Gayville, I mean, we have street signs, but nobody really knows what they are, right? I mean, we might remember them, but when I was growing up, I didn't, I didn't know what the names of the streets were. I knew where people lived. For sure. And when you went out in the country, roads had names. I mean, now they're all numbered for fire safety reasons, which is good. It's a good development. But you just said, you know, whoever's family lived on that road or whatever town road that was. And I'm not so sure if it's true up here in, uh, in the Colton area where I now res- do my work. You know, it's wide open, really. And and people who are there know, you know, places where you should and should not go, places where, you know, you can get from one place to another. But really, there's no street signs. It's just a place you have to know. Now, some places that you go, you may be excluded from for whatever reason. And my son goes to school out in California Lutheran and on your way to California Lutheran, which is in Thousand Oaks, California. You go from Los Angeles to Thousand Oaks, and on the way, there's this community called Calabasas. 
I was informed that there were just amazing houses in Calabasas. And I, I like to look, do a little curbside check of homes and, you know, everybody's home is kind of different and it's fun to look, you know, at a front porch or, you know, the landscaping, the lawn, things like that that are out there. And so we decided that we're going to travel up into Calabasas and see some of these celebrity homes basically are people who were there. So we went and we're driving around and discovered that Calabasas is a pretty uh, gated community. And by gated community, it means you can't get in to, to access it unless you have a code. So we're driving around on the street to you know, try to go up into the different neighborhoods. Then you always run into a gate, so you'd have to turn around and go. Well, soon enough, a security guard came along and asked us what we were doing and it's at that point in time where you come to the realization that you do not belong. I mean, that was clear that this was not, not our, our space to be in. Well, borderlands are kind of like that, right? So Jesus is in an area between Samaria and Galilee in our gospel texts. And we remember that this is part of Luke's travel narrative. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So he's headed south. And now he's in an area which is a boundary or a border. And it's not really even, apparently, a natural border. It's just an imaginary line that divides Samaria from Galilee. Again, it's up north. But it's a place where the undesirables congregate. They're probably seen as unsafe. It divides people who are culturally different, divides people who are socially different. So we have that kind of going on in the background. And while Jesus is going on to his way to Jerusalem, again, headed south, 10 lepers yell at Jesus, which I think would be disturbing if you're in a borderland type of thing and 10 people holler at you. That's going to get your attention. It's going to be a little, you know, I don't know, disturbing, I guess is a good way to put it. But that doesn't phase Jesus. You know, they, they ask for Jesus to, to do something. And so he tells them, just tells them, go to your local priest. So that, that needed to be done. If they wanted to enter into their communities, get back into society, they had to show a public official that they didn't have this skin disease anymore. It's called leprosy in the Bible, but it's not like actual leprosy as we know it today, which is curable. Back then, no, no cure for this. You just had to be out there away from the community because it was contagious. So the 10 lepers go on their way and, and they're healed. It's a quick little story. I mean, it happens. Jesus doesn't do anything. He doesn't rub mud in their eye like he does with the blind man. He doesn't, woman doesn't come up and touch his robe. He just says, go, and they go, and they're healed. It happens while they're on their way to go and see the priest. But one leper sees that he's healed. And rather than go to the priest, he goes back to Jesus, and he praises God, it says, with a Loud voice, loud voice, and throws himself face down on the ground in front of Jesus, 
and thanks him. I mean, what an act of gratitude. I think that's another thing that would be a little unnerving, kind of. That somebody face down in front of you, Jesus doesn't make anything of it. And so the man thanks him, but I mean, it, it says thanks him, but really that's, that's more than just a thank you. That's not a card someone sends you in the mail. This is full-on worship and praise with a loud voice. I mean, this is, this is cool, right? But Jesus points out, where's everybody else? Why didn't anybody else come back? I mean, you're a Samaritan, right? There's that cultural, religious, social difference that Samaritans and the Jewish folk have. And as Jesus states, a foreigner in a borderland. Someone that doesn't belong, even here. And so Jesus says to the man, after asking the question, then says, go Your faith has made you well. That's where we have this incredible proclamation by Jesus where he affirms what the Samaritan has done, but also, and I think for me, it gets gets a little sticky. I want to ask the very Lutheran question, what, what does that mean? What does that mean your faith has made you well? Because over the last two weeks, I've been attempting and trying to break down what what faith is. It's a gift. It's not something that we create. God creates it. It comes from God through the Holy Spirit in our baptism. And so when I initially read this, my thought was, wait a minute. Where does this faith come from? It seems to go against Everything that we teach, it's almost like you have to thank and then you get faith, right? It's like there's something you can do. This is given, though, not earned, right? And as I got to think about it, I I still say that's true because the gift is given to us. Now it's ours to take care of. We nurture this gift. We tend to it. We give thanks for it. We nurture it in our children and our loved ones and the people that we meet. Faith isn't meant to be put on a shelf and looked at once or twice a year when the seasons are right. It's a daily dying to ourselves and rising again in Christ every day. So that the faith that is given to us is meant to be used and cared for. And the response to this gift, as the gospel of Luke so clearly tells us, is thankfulness, praise, because we know how great of a gift it is. The Samaritan recognizes how great of a gift It is. As soon as he heals, he turns back to Jesus, falls on his face and worships. That's what our life is like too. We sometimes get caught up in what's happening in our lives. And we forget to turn around 
We just go on like the other nine. You know, God gives us blessings and gifts and all the things. And sometimes we get so busy, we forget to turn around. Jesus heals the Samaritan and says that he is made well. Or really, in a way, he is made whole. Not just based on his social and economic and communal terms, but on his whole well-being. He recognizes the gift that God has given to him. And for being healed of his disease and for recognizing God's presence in Jesus, all he does is give thanks. He is doubly blessed. The other nine missed out on this. I mean, they received physical healing, which is good, but they missed out on being made whole. And I think that's the fragility of this whole episode. Because like I said, we receive many great gifts in the world, but sometimes we get caught up in what we've received, whatever blessing it is or gift it is. And we just keep on going with life for whatever reason. When we keep on going, it's almost like we have our head down, like we're walking into a strong wind, focused on getting to our next destination and busyness and doing our next thing and checking the next thing off the list. And we miss out on the completeness of God's activity for us. We miss out on being made whole when we don't turn around and give thanks. Meister Eichhardt is a German theologian from the 13th century. He said this, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy to give thanks and praise to God. So if you are tired, if you are head down, walking into a wind, worn out, maybe you're just done from all the stuff that's going on in our world. Know that God is with you and loves you tirelessly and without end. You are enough. And I give thanks for you, children of God.